0: Hey, what's happening? I'm Yannick Guzdala. Welcome back to the Yannick Guzdala podcast. We are talking about how often should you practice? How much should you practice? How much do I practice? Where do those things, two things maybe align? Where are there some similarities between my goals and your goals? And how do you ascertain what your goals are and then prepare yourself, then populate your practice routine with the necessary tools to do what it is you want to achieve. I'm gonna take a little look at what my day looks like. I get that question ever such a lot uh through from various places. Thankfully not through Instagram, not through Facebook and not through Twitter anymore. Uh, really appreciate your feedback on the last post on Substack. If you haven't read that description is in the show notes to this podcast or below the video if you are watching slash listening to the podcast on YouTube. It's called Deleting Instagram is liberating and boy is it because my practice routine has been more focused in the last week since deleting Instagram than it has been in well over a decade, maybe even fifteen years if you count all the Facebook and Twitter distractions that have happened since I don't know, what it be two thousand and six maybe that started to become a thing. And MySpace thing feels so uh so useful when I look back at it, the, the amount of stuff I was able to do with it, even though it was time consuming, the payoff was huge. And then we transitioned into those other platforms and that it was very time consuming and the payoff was minimal. So I want to give you a look inside what my day I'm going to use today. So far it's 11.30am. Uh, I want to give you a look inside kind of how I try and structure the day. Now it's not, it's definitely not as consistent as I was I would like it to be, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, there are other things going on. Uh, You can't always plan for my daughter getting sick this week, for instance, and sort of taking out two days that I had had previously earmarked for other things. Um, So there are those things that come along. But the ability to adapt, the ability to absorb those things, take care of what needs to be done and still get to the instrument and do something useful and productive, I think is probably the more important skill than just practicing every day. Um so yeah, let's I my day started um the final time I I woke up, let's say, <laughs> during the night, through the night was this morning around 7.30 a.m. Woke up, fed my daughters. Generally around anywhere between 6 30 and 7 30 that she wakes up. Sort of for the final time that becomes mine or my wife's final time to wake up. Normally me in the mornings. I do the mornings. Um, so I would say nine times out of 10, I do the early start. I like early starts. I think if you're wired that way, it's a massive bonus. And if you can rewire yourself to be that way, I know that is very sort of, uh, that goes against the musician lifestyle of staying up late, being out late, playing gigs late. Um, I know I always used to be highly efficient from 10 PM until 4 AM. That was when I would do most of my practice routine. Um, most of my practicing, should I say? But nowadays, I'm on the early shift and have been for a long time, pre-kids, uh, sometimes as early as 4.30 or 5 a.m. to wake up and exercise and do all that stuff and still include music and working on my craft. Um, so, yeah, today was 7.30, wake up, feed my daughter. Now, she likes to go back to sleep for a last little stint, which I will gladly and happily give her. Especially if she's been a little sick, she needs to recover the most she can. So from seven thirty, I would say about seven forty she went back to sleep. And then what am I talking about? I'm actually way off. Six forty five was when I was like, wow, how do I how does she get an hour's sleep and we still get up by eight? No. Six forty-five. She woke up this morning. So I feed her and right before seven, she went back to sleep on me. So I'm laying in the chair, in the you know, the recliner chair we have in the nursery, and she's on me. Wrap her up in a blanket, make sure she's nice and comfy, and she gets about another hour in. Now, in that time, I've got the... Uh, where are they? They're always in my pocket. Never leave home without them. I've got the uh, the Apple AirPods, your headphone of choice. Always have that with you. It's sometimes the big over-ear Sonys like this, um, but the, the AirPods are so nice and compact, and they're just always in, what, in the pocket of whatever I'm wearing. That is a big tool. That will be a common thread throughout this. So they go in, she falls asleep, they go in, and then I get to do you know, one of a few things. Normally it's a podcast or it's some sort of news bulletin or it's music. I can get to listen to an entire album during that time that she's sleeping on me. And that's normally about an hour in the morning. If that's if that's the time she wakes up and it's that early and she needs to go back to sleep for an hour, it's normally an hour that she sleeps on me and I get to listen to something long form, which I think is really important. It's something I used to do when I was younger. I would listen to an album over and over and over and over again and immerse myself in it. And I'm getting back to that now when the trend for most of the world is three seconds of uh, of, of – um, I've completely lost my, <laughs> my train of thought. It's three, a three-second attention span is what I was looking for. Um, when that trend is such – it's such a short form thing. It's TikTok, it's Instagram. It's now, 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 now. If your thing isn't impressing me, it's on to the next thing immediately. As the world trends that way, I'm trying to trend the other way and get back to long form. So that's my first hour with her sleeping on me. Then we're into morning time with her. Um we get up, we 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 do the whole change thing, we try and play a little, somewhere around eight. Um, we try and play a little and do some dancing and, and whatever just spend time together. We go in the kitchen, I make her breakfast and um, then we're off to th- th- then we're off to like getting her fully ready for daycare and by about shortly before nine we're on the road drop her off at daycare and I'm normally home around 930. If I don't have chores or groceries or anything like that to do I'm home at 9:30 a.m. and that's kind of when my day starts in terms of work. and this morning, sort of perfect timing. By the way, I'm also doing breakfast um, with her. I, I make myself some breakfast, make her some breakfast. So I'm already breakfast, supplements, liquid. Um, that's all in the system um, by the time by the time I've, I've got back from daycare with her. So 9.30, I throw on the weight vest. I have a uh, 20 pound, what's that about? Nine kilo or something weight vest. I throw that on and go do about a mile and a half walking. And I live up in the hills. I'll, I'll throw a photograph. I actually took a photograph because I wanted to share that with you. Um, I'll throw that on the Substack post where this podcast is being hosted. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, the link is below for my Substack. And if you're uh, listening somewhere else, just go to yannickwizdala. no, Com. I still really need to memorize that URL. And, yeah, check out the, the, the various… Um, Elements of media I'm going to be sharing with this podcast. I'm going to share a musical example as well. That's why I've got the bass on. I'm going to share, uh, the exercise I was working on today. A bunch of things going to be on the Substack page for you to see and hear and, uh, and, and, and kind of enjoy. So yeah, um, threw on the weight vest, did a mile and a half. Only takes about, I, don't know, I did twenty it was only twenty one minutes today which and it's kind of grinding because I live up in the hills here, so there's really no no part of my daily walking or running is on the flat so half of it is straight up hill, which is kind of brutal and really gets uh gets some pain into the legs, which is awesome and it's it's a great workout even though it's like quote unquote just a walk when you put the weight vest on when you go pretty intensely. I walk at about four miles an hour. That's like a solid walking pace, a mile every 15 minutes or so with the weight vest. That's a solid way to kickstart the day. I get some direct sunlight and I get some exercise and it will be one of three kind of active things I try and do throughout the day. And this may sound kind of unrelated to music, but it's a massive setup. It really gets me moving. And on that walk for 20, that's another 20, 25 minutes of I can listen to something. I can listen to music or I can just be uh, kind of quiet and peaceful with my thoughts, figure out what I want to talk about, maybe on the podcast, what I want to write about in the sub stack. Maybe I have a melody going through my head that I want to uh, work on and develop. And maybe I'll sing something into the voice recorder of the phone. If, if an idea comes to me, it's again, you know, multi uh, use of my time. I'm exercising, but I'm also being productive in terms of active and, and kind of, uh, very specific practice, um, when it comes to music and when it comes to my creative process, I'm trying not to waste any time at all. So before 10 o'clock rolls around, I'm back in the house, uh, weight vest is off. I'm down in my studio setting up and getting ready to start my, start my day practicing. And from about, I would say 9.55 today until about 10.35, what's that? 40 minutes. I managed to get 40 minutes. Um, I was using, um, this shape. I'm going to share both of these things, the sheet music for this, on the sub stack. It's really not that difficult. You could probably just sit here and work it out because they're very diatonic, very simple shapes. You've probably heard a lot of times before. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, the beanie and the hoodie is not for show. It's actually just not warm here in California. And if I have my little... It's unbelievably effective... Tiny and <laughs> coincidentally cheap to use heater, which heats my studio in a, in a matter of minutes. If I have that running through the podcast, it's just going to be in the background. is kind of a drag. So I opted for the hat and the beanie. And this is the shape I was using. It's a kind of a 251 of sorts, but it's all diatonic. And then I expanded it to just put that little thing on the end. And I was working in half-steps. Ah. Anyway, that th- those are the two shapes. It was a development of the original just up to the one and then and then that idea on the end i'm going to lose the bass otherwise my shoulder's going to be wrecked sitting in this position for the rest of the podcast now all the cables are tangled up all right whatever we'll survive so that was it 40 minutes of that it wasn't i didn't i wasn't really hearing uh A melody or a set of chord changes that i wanted to work on or develop and i was feeling like my chops were a little weak so i went through various tempos um various metronome markings and sort of started super slow to get the blood warm and i will say one byproduct of the walk the weight vest walk or just the walk or just exercise in general is that when i do sit down shortly after that i'm loose like my muscles the blood is flowing i'm not that I'm not tense. I'm not tight. Um, I'm really kind of loose. So, so doing it that way around, exercising first and then practicing shortly afterwards. Um, and, and I'm not saying like go out and do a high-intensity interval training session or lift massive weights and then go go grab your instrument and practice. I don't ever do that. Like I definitely, if it's a super hard workout, I want some recovery time and nutrition, hydration stuff and time for that to, to settle in before I go and practice. But the, a walk something that's me- low to medium intensity like that, where I haven't sweat through my clothes. I don't need a shower immediately. I'm still uh, still not toxic enough to warrant a change of clothes. Perfect time. That really is the perfect time to grab the instrument. So that was it. 40 minutes of that. Now let's get to what is right for you. That's the the beginning of my day. Here we are. It's now 11.30. Um, the that that hour I had, or the hour or so I've had since I've stop practicing has been spent on admin and emails and catching up Uh, email from my agent for instance and read a news article and just basic office admin that I'll sort of allocate an hour to in the morning say hi to my wife just you know plan out the day take the dog out like basic stuff like that and here I am ready to spend an hour or so recording the podcast now the value in that 40 minutes is not actually in the standalone 40 minutes. It's in the consistency of how of how repeatable that is, of how motivated I am and how much willpower I have to repeat that process as often and as, as regularly as possible. So that's, for me, daily. That's always the goal. Um, minimum. That's a daily minimum. And because of the way my day is so broken up with commitments outside of music these days, um, my... The ultimate goal, the minimum goal is daily. The ultimate goal is multiple times a day to be able to put in at least that amount of time. But even if I was only able to allocate 20 minutes, let's say, to my practice routine uh, every day, I would still find huge value in that if I could do it every day of the week. Um, you've probably heard me say this before. If you have, I'm, I'm sorry. If you haven't heard me say this before, then d- d- get a pen and paper. This is really important. It is so much more. U- it, it, it is of so much more use to you as a musician or whatever it is you do, actually, that needs regular practice, that needs maintenance and all that. It's so much more useful to practice short amounts every day. Rather than practice four or five hours on a Monday, then not touch the instrument until Friday and kind of lose lose momentum or, you know, not really have a consistent point of attack to to, to the task at hand, to the thing you're trying to accomplish, to the thing you're trying to get better at. So whatever it is, we're all going to be different, right? Everyone is going to have an insanely uh, wide range. When we add it all up, everyone's going to have an insanely wide range of goals here. Um, and Hardly any of them are going to align with me, I would imagine, um, just as if I were to talk to one of you listening right now, it would just be, "Oh wow, we really want different things out of music, but conceptually the the method of practice can lead to those same very different goals, just in consistency. Now I, as I did today, I really like to start off the day with something technically minded. If I'm so inclined, I was very inclined today. Like I said, I felt like my technique was a little, was a little slack despite being nice and warm and loose from the, from the walk felt my technique just needed that really solid 40 minutes. It's kind of, ideally I would have done an hour, maybe an hour and 10 to make it mimic the consistent playing of a set A live show. I love to do that. You know, my, I'm I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have experienced the same thing that when you play a bunch of shows in a row, your calluses are super dialed in and nice and tough. And the, the sound, your tone production is better than it is when you haven't played a show for a couple of weeks. You know, for me, touring does that. I just don't play in town. I actually just don't play in town. I was going to say I don't play in town regularly enough. I just don't play in town. So I don't have like a Thursday through Saturday or Thursday through Sunday block of regular gigs every week where I can experience that improvement in sound, in, in feedback from the instrument and trying to get that regular, you know, 45 to an hour and 10 kind of short set to longer set, uh, kind of reps in is really important to me. So The goal is always, you know, I say 20 minutes is great and you can accomplish so much with that if you do it every day. That is absolutely true. Um, I just try and set my foundation as a little bit more than that if I know I have the time. And and if you can do that, so much the better. Let's get back to the deleting Instagram thing and social media. Like, it is so apparent, you know, maybe you're sitting there saying, well, yeah, you know what, 20 minutes is my maximum because I have all of these other things to do. But actually, you know how how easy it is to burn twenty minutes on social media just scrolling. You can. There are moments like somebody sends me something. That's that's another thing as well. I've got a. That's the next thing I have to be really conscious of, um, and and very trusting of not only the source that somebody's sending me something because I'm not seeing anything now. There's nothing in my feed. Nothing, I'm not scrolling or anything. I'm not aware of anything that's going on on social media anymore. And It's an amazingly liberating experience. So that's number one. Number two, I have to be really careful about the things I click on when friends send me stuff. Hey, you got to check out this. Or somebody sends me, oh, this is so funny. Not only do I have to be trusting in that they are sending me something that they know me, that I will, f- they know I will find genuinely interesting or genuinely funny. That's a small group of friends. Let me tell you, um, but I also have to trust myself that I'm not going to fall into the trap of oh, well, I watched this and let me just click on that and scroll to that and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and get that next dopamine hit. I have to. That's really, it's it's almost an impossible ask. Um, I, I say this because I, I've done that i've gone to click on a link be like oh this thing is oh, this song great awesome or this performance or something on instagram maybe and then you scroll your thumb just grazes the screen and you see the next thing down you're like oh what's this? and the next thing you know half an hour has gone by the next thing you know you look at your apple watch or something it's like oh you missed a stand hour you know how hard it is to miss a stand hour or rather actually how easy it is to miss a stand hour if you're concentrated on social media and, and are sort of addicted to that to that rat race. So deleting all of that, not being aware of it, it's not anywhere even in my periphery anymore. Oh my God, the, the amount of time I really have in the day now is, is incredible. And the amount of time I can dedicate to really worthwhile things that are a thousand times more fulfilling is fantastic. And I've always said, uh, again, you've Uh, like a little bit of a broken record that we don't give the day uh, enough credit for how many hours there are in it. And we are very uh, dishonest with ourselves about how we spend the time in the day. So again, yes, 20 minutes a day, very productive if you can do it consistently and you have a clear goal and you are disciplined and you make the most of that 20 minutes. But I would challenge you – to to really ask yourself some some deeper questions about how you spend your time and be really honest with the answers. And deleting social media will give you, I don't know, I'm going to guess, on average, of course, everyone's going to be a, a little bit different, but on average, I bet it gives you an extra hour a day. If you have Facebook, Twitter and Instagram right now and TikTok, I never got into TikTok. I actually have a TikTok account with two posts on it because somebody said, Oh, you, you leave money on the table, man. You gotta, you gotta get on TikTok. So I did and I put two posts up and I cannot for the life of me figure out how to log in and erase that shit. So there is an at Yannick Wisdala TikTok account out there. Uh, I've, I've posted two things to it and looked at it once and that, that's it. I wish I could get rid of it. Um, I've got (laughs) to dig deeper into that and find out refine my password or something and just eradicate that from the internet so yeah with those four major platforms and that's without any sort of news feed like an actual news feed like a newspaper that's without any blog that's without any newsletter you might subscribe to those are like up to six seven eight maybe distractions in your day that could easily take three minutes each four minutes each. if they take five minutes each there's your 40 minutes Eight times five is 40 the last time I checked. There's your 40 minutes of practice if you just eradicate those things. Um, and yeah, so I can only speak from experience here, both having been on all of those platforms for some of them 15 years or since they freaking started and, you know, and now having deleted it all and just spent a week with my thoughts and a week with my time and a week reassessing my time and... I, I I wrote in the in the last in the last post on Substack deleting Instagram is liberating it. In that post, that my playing is I'm playing better than I have in years, and I'm not sure that that is something you're going to hear. Like if you listen to me play now and you listen to me play three weeks ago, you're like, well, you just kind of sound like the same person. I think the bigger payoff is maybe not in the outward facing uh department but in the inward facing department the feeling the feedback the ease with which I'm now able to do a few things um with just a week of actually focused. I've always been a really focused person, a hyper focused person. I've loved to practice. I've I've loved to do the work. I think there's another huge element that I'll talk about in a second. I always have loved to do the work. No question about that. Um but without these massive distractions, distractions that grew very slowly over a very long time. And it's not until you eradicate them that you realize quite how much they were dragging you down. And that is life-changing as a musician as a musician who's i'm 44 now as a musician who's middle-aged and has been doing it for this long and working this hard for this long and trying to find the gains trying to find improvements in what i do and trying to improve my process um to find to, to have such a big gain at this late stage in 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 my career is is huge I don't expect to have big gains like this again. Maybe not outward-facing. Maybe not audible to the everyday listener, even the super dedicated coffee drinker. But definitely inwardly, and it is helping my process. It has set me up to uh, just to okay, wow. All of these things, different things, suddenly become suddenly become an option now because I have all this other time to work on them. Which is which is awesome. It's a really good feeling can't recommend it enough so let's talk about what possible things might work for you depending on your goal and depending where you're at in the process are you 15 and listening to this and like everything is in front of you and you haven't been playing that long and you're like oh just everything is new and it's like yes to everything okay that's to, to me that's actually a little tougher because it's just information overload and in this day and age of everything being available all the time at the click of a button, you know, all you got to do is have a phone and an internet connection and you just have access to everything, basically. Being able to cut through the noise and the bullshit and the scams and the clickbait and all of that kind of shit is a little bit daunting. Um, I don't envy someone who's 15 or in their teens playing music for the first time and really getting into it. That's a That's a tough ask. Oh, hydration essential at the 25 minute mark here. And I think you really, it really comes down to asking yourself a bunch of questions and being super honest with the answers. Um, you, you, and you have to put it into practice. It's not just, um, a mindset thing. It's not just, oh yeah, you can Tony Robbins this shit, you know? Uh, y- you actually have to do it as well and you have to be disciplined and there's no, there's just no easy way out. There's no quick sell. There's no like, oh, give me a thousand bucks and I will change your life. Uh, no, keep your thousand bucks, listen to the advice and you change your life. That's like the, the, <laughs> the best piece of advice I can give you because there is no mindset, uh, only attitude kind of base thing that will do it like you have to leap you have to take the jump um and and pick up small gains i think small gains are important uh you know because trust me they're only going to become smaller i think the older you get like i was just talking about it's crazy to get a big gain right now at age 44 haven't been doing this for almost 30 years so it's yeah, enjoy those small gains, set up small short-term goals. Okay, you want to be able to play this Charlie Parker solo? Great. Go after it, train your ear, do the work, do the transcription, spend the, the days, the weeks that it takes jamming along to that record to really nail the solo and get the feeling, get the sound of bebop into your playing. Okay, maybe that's not your goal. Maybe um, you love the way Sting sings and plays the bass. Great. Well, you know, you've got two things to work on, not just one. Figure out your singing voice. Maybe take a couple of vocal lessons. Um, Maybe you want to be a career sideman or woman who plays for other artists and has that secret weapon of great background vocals. Awesome. I think that's a fantastic goal to have. I think if you are going to go into the freelance musician uh, lane, and you want to work with other people and you want a varied and interesting career. I think having more than one skill when you go and do that is essential. So think about that now. If you're that young musician, think about learning what it is to be a musical director. Think about arranging songs. Think about production. Think about the quality of your foundational sound as a musician as a bass player how can you like make this incredible bed of sound underneath a band and you know those are the skills if you want that kind of career to be working on as well as background vocals as well as all those other techniques that go into being not quote-unquote just a freelance musician so in that in that case yeah you should be playing along to Sting records, playing along to Lemmy records, playing along to Morphine records. There's so many options of bass players that sing. Um, And just playing songs, you know. Shit, play U2 or Room 5 or, I don't know, The the Doors or Led Zeppelin. It doesn't matter. Combining skills. Be doing that every day. That's what your goal is. If you dream about being, you know, the... The unicorn session musician or studio musician or touring musician. If you've that really is your dream, get on it now. Like, do those things, do those things that make you special. Um, but what it comes down to, I've, I've given you from Charlie Parker to you too. I've given you quite a wide, uh, range there. That's a big demographic of people listening to this. And we've really only talked about someone who's young right now, um, who kind of has it all ahead of them that also. Kind of applies to if you're in your like mid twenties or you're getting into your career or it actually it doesn't matter. Like look at someone like Anthony Bourdain who didn't really hit until actually until he was my age, so he was forty four, I think is when it was. And never paid his rent on time, I think he said. Uh, just had failing restaurants and just like bumming around kind of, even though he was super cool, creative guy. And at forty four, that's when the shit hit. Forty four years old. So there's no I don't think there's a time limit on it, but of course you're Parameters and framework are going to look very different depending on where you're at, but it all comes back down to the consistency thing. I think. No, that's what I'm getting at here. No matter what your goal, no matter what your style of music, what instrument you play, or no matter actually whatever it is you do, it doesn't have to be bass playing, it doesn't have to be music. Whatever it is you do, it's your consistency with it, and. Some people are like, well, you know, building a YouTube channel, you have to be consistent and post here and do that. And there's all these kind of rules around stuff like that. I'm I'm not sure it's even consistency of output, uh, but it's definitely consistency of work. And it's definitely uh, consistency filling the bucket of love for the work. And that's something, something you can't teach. That is something you can't force. And that is something that you have to trust your curiosity, and yeah, you got to trust your gut with that. And you got to ask yourself how much, how much you want it. How badly do you want the thing? For me, the thing is music, is bass playing, is jazz, is improvisation, is recording, is writing songs. Is is those things? I have a big bucket of things that. I am very passionate about and I figure them out pretty early on and I have worked hard at them without fail, uh, relentlessly, my entire career. Um, and I think you'll find that is true for most people who are happy doing what they do. They are so curious about it. That it just doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters. The outcome, the money, the fame, the success, the notoriety, none of that matters. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're like Marcus Miller and Victor Wooten famous or whether you're, wow, who's this? I've never heard of them on Spotify. Unknown. Unknown. You know, I bet I could go and do a deep dive on artists I have never heard of on Spotify and be like, oh, wow, these, what, what is this amazing music that's super inspirational and then dig down deep and you're like, oh, oh, shit, this person's actually a dentist or a doctor or something and they do this on the side but they're super passionate about it. But it doesn't matter. Get a day job. If you can't make money doing what it is you love to do, get a day job and still do the thing you love to do. That, I think, shows... A huge amount of commitment to the thing. And ultimately, I think if you work hard enough at it and hone your skills, you will have the choice. Be that at 21, if you get super lucky, or be that at 44, like Anthony Bourdain, you'll have the option to go full-time into it. Look at Mark Rober, the YouTuber, ex-NASA scientist, ex-Apple lead designer or whatever he was, and you know, more famous than any of that for his YouTube channel. And he was still working at Apple, still had a day I mean, great day job, creative one, paying a lot of money, but still had this super crazy job at Apple when he had 10 million followers on his YouTube channel. You know what I do with a million followers? Holy shit. I think 500,000, 100,000 followers on, on uh, YouTube. I could make work. You know, and and make it work so I didn't have to have a day job and he stayed at Apple until he had 10 million subscribers on YouTube that's crazy and he just kept doing what he loved and he didn't set out for it to be he didn't want to become a YouTuber and be famous and make a lot of money and he didn't want those things he just wanted to be passionate about what he loved and make videos about it and share it with other people and as a result of that all the other things followed Fame, notoriety, the millions upon bajillions of followers. I don't know how many he's up to now. Let's check Mark Rober. How you doing? Uh, Mark Rober, American YouTuber. And his, f- the first thing that comes up is not his YouTube channel. Okay, let's see here. Are we going to get this bashed? Yep. Okay, this is space. 23.1 million subscribers, 3.15 billion with a B views on his channel and he's an engineering science nerd and shares that with the world. Amazing. Obviously a highly credentialed one with NASA and Apple in his back pocket. Uh, But yeah, um, did it for all the right reasons. And I think that is what is going to strip you of social media. I hope um, because that's all the wrong reasons in my opinion. And, It's super unhealthy. And I think that is what is going to give you the time. And to also realize you might not want to do it once you have all this time and you sit there and you understand what it is to work on this fucking thing over and over and over and over again and not get it and fail miserably for weeks and months on end and not physically be able to do this thing. I hope you understand that the uh, voice raising there was because that's actually something I've experienced many thousands of times. I'm very passionate about it. I try not to forget about those moments. That, that is the thing that may, may destroy your, uh, your passion for it when you get there and you realize, oh shit, this is a lot of work. I was not anticipating it being this hard. It looks super fancy in a 15 second Instagram video but holy crap it takes a lot of work to get to this point that I was aspiring to. So you might reach some make or break moments like that which is which is awesome because then holy shit if you reach that moment and you're like oh I don't want to do this then you go find the thing that you want to do. And you can apply all of the same logic and same structure and and build frameworks for that. You know maybe you want to be an engineer not Uh, bass player (laughs) plays jazz and fusion and and all those things so it's just always try and be as aware uh, as possible and be honest with yourself i think that's the big takeaway and the more you do that the happier you're going to be and the more you will be doing it for the right reasons and it uh, yes let's get back to that it's infuriating then when it doesn't go right I'm not going to say there's nothing worse than that because there are plenty of things worse than that, but is one of the things that that really make you question, what, what am I doing here? What is, I cannot get this thing. You may have seen, and I I posted a lot of this on Instagram before I, before I ditched it. And maybe this will make a good, maybe make a good YouTube video or it will make a good post for, for the Substack. I was working on that Michael Brecker solo for such a long time. I'd I'd transcribed it in 2012 or something. It's a course on Yannick's bass studio transcribing Michael Brecker. It's from a live solo. It's a really up blues, I think about 380 BPM. That's getting to the max uh, limit of my technique uh, for eighth notes, for instance. Um, I kind of top out at about 400, but... 380 when you're playing huge shapes and leaps and you're playing lines that a saxophone player can move a key a millimeter and make this interval whereas for you it's like a huge physical leap or stretch on the instrument man it's to when I started getting back into that 2 years ago and relearning that solo and really diving deep into the nitty-gritty and the back end of it that I hadn't quite got together 10 years ago I mean, I just I spent again. I spent hundreds more hours just working on that thing, and never got it. I never played it start to finish with the ferocity. And I'm, okay, before I get to what I didn't do, let's also be very clear about how I approach something like that, and also what is no, this is good actually good lane to get into right now because this is something that I've noticed a lot in younger players. Uh, and especially like the Instagram sort of social media player, is there's very little nuance in the playing. I understand that for the algorithm and for the three-second attention span, they want to like, bam, they want to do the the Bruce Lee, the one-inch punch or two-inch punch, whatever it was, that little, that's ridiculous, like instant knockout blow from very short range like that is what gets you or us to stick on someone's page is somebody is something very impressive and immediately gratifying so i get that the the that style of you know youtuber Instagrammer, influencer tiktoker kind of musician if you can call them that wants that payoff because that is what they are sweating about. That's what they know the algorithm uh, demands and what their audience, they corner themselves, they, they park themselves in this corner, back themselves into a corner and they, they build this audience that, can, that a, will always demand that instant gratification. So they lose a lot of nuance. And I notice that in their playing and in the process of learning, they, they don't dig deep. So what I was about to say about how I I, I wasn't feeling like I was playing that Michael Brecker solo with the ferocity of Michael Brecker, I was going to go on to say, with the same intensity and phrasing and articulation and like really like so there was one instrument when I played it along to the record. That's the level I'm getting into these things on. It's not just about the notes. I'm not just writing down the notes and then da da da, da 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 playing the notes back one after the other in the right order at the right tempo. No, I think you're selling yourself way short if that's where you stop the process. That's a part of the process, figuring out the basic shape, especially if your ear is not that developed yet. There's, there, obviously, we're all on different rungs of the ladder in terms of experience when it comes to our ear, when it comes to assimilating vocabulary, whatever style that might be in. We just happen to be talking about jazz, B-flat blues, Michael Brecker, someone with a lot of technical prowess, but someone with a lot of nuance at any tempo in their playing. And that is how, that's why I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing with that solo and why I was constantly frustrated that I couldn't match Mike's ferocity, you know, and that that's something I don't see so much in younger players right now. It's something I don't hear that much. It's very, it's, it's, it's great when I do hear it because I'm like, oh wow, there's hope. And there are people out there who still care, you know, and they still really love the music enough to dig uh, deep down into it and, and really find everything that's there not just the the series of notes that gets you through this set of chord changes that's very surfacey that's got no depth to it it's just oh yeah so these notes are just like chord scales and analysis and and theory like if you stop there oh i can hear it <laughs> and anyone with a set of ears and some experience can hear it like people know when you're playing the theory and then they can really tell when you're playing the experience and the nuance and that is that's what Separates good from great, great from good, you know, or amazing from average. It's the nuance, it's the details, and that is what I go into a transcription with. That's when I, even if it's a four or five note phrase, I'm, fuck me, am I milking that for all it's worth and playing it thousands upon thousands of times to just... Until like until my fingers feel like they're falling off, you know. When I was younger, and literally until parts of my fingers were bleeding, or uh, I catch a fingernail or something, and it'd be super painful, and I'd plow on for another four or five hours because that's all that mattered. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to loving the work, following your passion, um, you know, trusting your curiosity, and letting curiosity be your catalyst. And those are kind of all like mindset buzzwords and fake guru bullshit that all these morons like uh grant cardone and fucking uh just a slew of them if you're not I, i've been going in this lane this Coffeezilla lane lately i listen to the lex friedman podcast sometimes and Coffeezilla was a guest on that very recently and he does takedowns of all kinds of stuff most recently the um uh sbf the ftx debacle uh the 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 16 billion dollar meltdown and just all these things and and it's unbelievable how many parallels there are from that financial and influencer space scam world. All these people with their shit coins and scam coins and just uh, Ponzi schemes and MLM things that they market to all their followers and like these pump and dump stuff, pump and dump schemes. There are so many parallels to the music education world uh, that, that it, it's such a scam. Like people shouldn't be taking your money for this for this bullshit because it's kind of very surface level rather than having any respect for the music or from the teaching coming from experience. And I think a teacher's only job is to inspire the student, you know, and look, if you, if, if you're a weekend warrior or a total amateur, you just like, oh, this is a little fun thing I do on the side. Okay. You want the, the quickest route to the most gratifying thing at your level. I totally understand. You, you're not in it to take music seriously. But I, uh, which, okay, fine. It's entertainment at the end of the day. And the fact that you use music for entertainment for yourself, fantastic. The fact that you may be a bass player as a hobby. Awesome. That's a great way to spend your time. Uh, a productive way to spend your time is a new skill. Yes. If you're not taking music seriously or professionally, I totally understand that. I do not bemoan you that at all. I really encourage that. I think that's freaking awesome. Am I the teacher for beginners? Probably not at all. Um, can I maybe inspire you to look for the right things? Yes, I hope so. I hope that's universal no matter what you do or no matter what level you're at. And again, I think that is the only job of a teacher. I just think there's this like very impressionable sort of teenage to early twenties age range of players who could really take this seriously and actually have a shot at doing something and fulfilling some dreams and following some curiosity down the path that might lead to originality. And when I see people like that, you know, soaking up the amount of bullshit that's out there, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, because it really doesn't take much to steer yourself down the path. And I'm not saying there's one way or my way is the way. I'm not saying there's one way fits all. I'm not, it's not that Jeff Berlin thing where he just says my way and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty harsh, uh, of him to say, but that's what he's always said. I don't know if he's changed his tune recently, but he has said that for as long as I've been listening to him talk um so i'm not saying that at all i think everyone is very different in the way they learn and that is the point it's the teacher's job to uh, uh, discover that to uncover what it is that motivates the the student and to feed them inspiration and eventually make them a uh, uh, uh what do you call it give them perpetual motion with their own curiosity um like teach them how to feed, teach the student how to feed themselves and where to find the next thing and which direction they might want to look or experiment with with their music in order to continually be inspired. That's what I've been doing for almost 30 years. I tell you, it works really well. Um, the, 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 the to-do list, as long as you have a to-do list that has at least like three or four big ticket items on it, musically speaking, I think you probably never run out of ideas. If you're honest about how into the, into each topic you are, and how, you know, close to completion or close to satisfaction you are or close to it transitioning into another thing that you were inspired by, by that big ticket item on the list. I think it's really hard to run out of stuff to work on because there's just so much music out there, you know. Um, that's one thing about the one hour in the morning where my daughter's sleeping on me like early doors or when I'm out on my walk or I'm in the gym working out you know when I have quiet time to have the headphones in that's I'm really forcing myself to listen to complete albums uh to watch complete movies, I spent like my gym down here in the off the off the side of the studio it's t v on the wall, so I'll try and watch documentaries and stuff like that on the big screen while i'm while I'm working out, really force myself to see things in there entirety um, which has been really helpful it's you know i've i've also forced myself to listen to some things that i think i was going to say i know that i think i don't like and musicians that i'm like oh i just cannot give a fuck to be to be listening to that and i have to question myself sometimes and say oh how much of that is based on i've listened to it all and then made a decision or or how much of that is how much of that opinion is based on You know, oh, I saw this clip on social media and it was shit. You know, how much of it is based on listening to 60 minutes of music versus 60 seconds of an Instagram post? So I've been trying to go back and reassess uh, elements of the music business and and music in general and, and musicians and artists that I have had very harsh opinions on so far uh it was pretty accurate the first time around i gotta say i wish i could say oh man my opinion completely changed i've uh, 180 degrees and i love all these people that i used to think were garbage no i still think quite a lot of them are bullshit but there have been a few moments where i've been like oh you know what there's actually something here um and also to the point where okay i didn't like it for the wrong reason when I saw it on Instagram perhaps and now I don't like it personally because that's subjective of course I don't like it but I do see that there's something of value there and there's some depth to the art so there have definitely been more of those moments um, where I've sort of heard something in its entirety and be like oh you know what They were, they were. I see what they were going for it's not for me but cool I respect the fact that they were going for this thing and well, in some cases were very successful in doing it even though it's not something I would personally want to spend much time checking out. So I cannot recommend the deletion of social media enough. This is all based on that. It's like not only am I having more time to do all of these things, but I'm, I'm also not under the influence of that very distorted presentation of what art is. It's so distorted. And you, when you're in the middle of it, you just don't know. Look, like you can't go look at it now because I took them all down. But uh, if you didn't see in the past few months, um, you have to take my word for it now. But I, you know, Instagram gave this monetary incentive to post reels because they were trying to combat TikTok's takeover. And this monetary incentive added up to twelve hundred dollars a month i 've said this before not an insignificant amount of money twelve hundred bucks a month that 's some people 's rent car payment that 's a, a lot of bread right twelve hundred bucks it's not an insignificant amount of money. You go about, go out and buy a base for that you probably buy two bases, you can buy an amp you go on a nice vacation it, again, not an insignificant amount of money, but in order to get that money, which is also taxable so it 's really not twelve hundred dollars in order to make that twelve hundred dollars. You have to get eleven you had at the time had to get eleven point two million views. Million with an M. Million. Eleven point two million views. Yeah, it's impossible. For me, anyway, it's not impossible for the TikToky, spammy, clickbaity people at all. Um but I think if you're able to get eleven point two million views, you're probably such a big channel doing like ten twenty, fifty thousand dollar brand deals that the twelve hundred bucks is pretty insignificant. So what it did was very cleverly hook people like me who had a channel of sixty two thousand people, not six million people, into thinking, oh yeah, well let me let me post a bunch of shit to Instagram. So I tried to do it every day, religiously, same time, posting something I thought was cool. I was trying to stay honest and be in my bubble and be like, I'm not gonna, you know, post second takes or third takes, I'm not making this video specifically for instance i'm just you know and they got me they fucking got me and i posted somewhere i think it's is it on the substack? i don't know maybe i'll do a whole thing on that later in life um i don't know but i did post uh something somewhere uh, maybe it's in a youtube video of the actual amount of money that i made from that and i think i did it for three months and on the best month they sent me 140 bucks and I posted 30 videos. I mean, I was making less than $2 a video. And to make the video, I should have charged, you know, if I'd have made that video for a brand, for a brand deal, I would have charged 1000s of dollars to produce that video as a commercial for like a pedal or a piece of gear that I'm using, you know, a brand deal with a company. This is just pointless. So uh now of course i can't remember how we got here the distorted view exactly the distorted view of what art is and and the reasons people are doing it you know so i'm very glad to have those reasons eradicated from my life um i'm glad to have the option to monetize what i'm doing with substack uh and and the fact and and it not be mandatory as well um still working on the concept for it in terms of the paid versus free so far everything is free you can go to Yannickwisdala.substack.com. it's linked in the show notes to this episode it's below the youtube video if you're watching there if you're on Substack, you're already there you can subscribe for the month at six bucks a month uh, for the year for 50 bucks and then they have a founder member founding member thing where it's you can choose anything from 50 to 150 a year if you are so inclined and have the means and just want to support what's going on if if you are being delivered value through the podcast through the blog and you feel like you want to support it that is an option and there's no pressure on it there's no algorithm it's just it just is what it is it is my blog it's my output it's my artistic uh front facing artistic uh platform public facing My little town square, where I get on the soapbox and say some shit, and here we are, almost an hour into the podcast, and it's it's so easy to talk about this stuff. That's what I love about it as well. It's easy because I care. I think. I think that's what it is. That's the conclusion I've come to. I've really. I care, and I used to think, ah, this is something interesting. I used to think I cared too much. Like if I wasn't getting the right amount of view, whatever the right amount is, but if I wasn't getting lots of views or follows or likes or, or interaction or feedback or people buying tickets at concerts, I used to think um, it's because oh yeah, you you care too much. You have your expectations for yourself are too high, and your expectations for your audience are too high. I don't think there's such a thing for expectations of myself being too high. I would hate to think that that was true. I I would hate to think I've even thought about something high enough for somebody to consider it being too high. I'd hate to think that I'd got to that point in in my career or in my life yet. I think there are so many things that are way far in advance of anything I've done or what I'm doing now that I haven't even thought about yet and will tackle Throughout the rest of the years I have left, um, so yeah, I used to think that I cared too much, and now I know there's no such thing, because I think caring is what is what adds the the legitimacy to it. Because you, I think you can see through people when it's when they don't care. I, I you know, I think that's really apparent. So that's always uh, front and center. It's another thing I would consider. Uh, thinking about or maybe you want to have a practice journal or something like that, something where you keep notes, where you make sure your focus is in the right place for you. You know, I'm not saying you have to just write down the list of things I talked about in this podcast. I think you should figure out what the focal points are for you and then hold yourself accountable. You know, record those practice sessions. Talked about that a lot. I'm going to share a bunch of things. I have so many cool uh, ideas for, for blog posts. I'm going to share sort of some of my practice history and how I tabulate that and how that motivates me in the future, you know? Because once you start recording it and once you start being aware of how much you've done in the past, you know when you're not hitting that goal in the future. And also, I'm sure you, like me, you know when you need to hit that goal in order to feel good about your playing and in order to feel at 100% and ready to give everything you possibly can to a performance, the performance element is, for me, the always the ultimate goal. It's how well can I exist on that gig? How much can I improve the performance of the musicians around me? and how much can I deliver a unique experience to the audience that has given up, arguably their most valuable commodity, their most valuable, most valuable asset, I think, is time? And if you're willing to give some of that up for me at a show, on my podcast, reading my blog, that, I mean, that is all the motivation in the world I need. And that doesn't go unnoticed. I don't say that enough. Uh, Maybe I should open every podcast with that. I don't know. Maybe that'll get too, too cringy. But that's really what I'm thinking at the end of the day. That is, you know, front and center on my practice journal, on my practice list of like, oh, yeah, people, other people care about this. And, I'm not playing for you. <laughs> like when I practice at home, I'm not playing for the audience. I talked about that in the documentary. Uh, you go back, watch that. I always say in the studio, I'm not playing for the audience. I'm playing for myself. I am doing it for myself. But the fact that I, my goal while I do that and while I improve my process and while I improve my playing and while I write more music, the goal um always to treat the audience with a shitload of respect you know because I respect your time and although I'm not playing for you here in my studio or in the recording studio when I go and make a record I'm not thinking like oh will they like that no I'm not and I think every artist should have a little bit of that in them because if they pander to you they don't challenge you if they pander to you they're already deciding what you do and don't like. And I think that's kind of disrespectful. So they're like, oh, this is a little angular. Or this is a little dissonant, or This is this and that and my audience. No, fuck that. If your audience is don't, what, doesn't like what it is you do honestly with your music, then they're not your audience. So, yeah, in that sense, I don't play for the audience when I'm creating stuff at home. But boy, do I prepare myself like a fucking samurai warrior when I get on that stage to be as bulletproof as I possibly can in terms of my process. So I don't want to fall off. I don't want to waste time. I want to make sure I'm warmed up and I've slept and I've hydrated and I've eaten the right food and I'm in good shape and I'm ready to perform and I'm ready to listen Uh, and listen to the band, listen to you in the audience and make that performance the best thing I possibly can. That is the goal. So, yeah. All right, let's end it on that. That's something I'm going to go practice a little more with that in mind right now and put another, I don't know, let's see if I can get another 30 minutes in. It's 12.30 here. California, it's perfect timing. I can get another 30 minutes in. I've been working on giant steps a lot lately. Maybe I'll play some of that for you in in an upcoming episode. Quite interesting the way I'm Using it not as not with a view to going and playing it live, but as a practice tool, kind of as John Coltrane wrote it as an exercise. Been interesting to see how that is helping other elements of my playing uh, develop as a byproduct of just working on giant steps and those changes. So, yeah, I'm gonna go do that, get into some lunch around one, and then another form of exercise, probably heavy lifting today. And I'm gonna get into the health and exercise for musicians. Uh, episode, blog post, whatever it's going to be. is probably going to be a, a podcast episode and a big post detailing what I do and maybe doing a, an interview with someone I used to work with, nutritionist, uh, sports scientist and trainers and all kinds of people really want to put that information out there so you guys and girls can uh, see if any of it will work for you in your quest for being healthier both physically and mentally and being a better musician and happier more importantly as a result but that's it long one hit almost an hour today really appreciate you sticking around if you did this far again yanaguzdala.substack.com it's all linked below in the description of the video if you're watching on youtube it's in the show notes if you are listening and consuming this podcast somewhere like spotify or apple Podcasts, i'm see you again on the next episode